say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the great Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. How is everybody doing on this lovely Wednesday in Syracuse? Anybody angry or mad about anything? Have you taken a charge? Have you been having a flagrantly good day? You know what? You know, some people are tired of blaming the refs for stuff. Blaming the refs is fun. It is our God-given right as Americans to blame the officials for everything. Wear it stripes. We'll get to that today. I mean, it was it was a heck of a game last night. It was a fun basketball game that ended in a stinky way. Tough loss for the Orange to North Carolina. We'll be talking about that for a big chunk of the show today, as you would expect. Trying to approach it from a few different angles. We'll get to some National Football League uh, later in the show, I haven't done a proper recap on the New York Football Giants season. We'll do that with Lance Meadow from the New York Football Giants Radio Network coming up at 3.30. Uh, the non-basketball, maybe future basketball part of the game uh, last night was who was sitting uh, courtside. Top 100 recruit Elijah Moore was in the fancy pants seats. Chris Carlson has been all over the whole Adam Weitzman NIL People that sit in the fancy seats experience for a few years now. Chris of Syracuse.com will join us coming up at 3 o'clock to kind of hit uh, that angle of last evening and whatever the heck is going to go on with the future of that. Who knows? There's millions of dollars flailing around. Who's going to get it? Nobody knows. Talk to Chris coming up at 3 at 2.30 uh, and maybe uh, we'll see how right or wrong. Well, it won't determine if we're right or wrong. As Syracuse fans, we are absolutely 100% correct that the officiating stunk last night and I don't care who you are, you don't get to be right unless you agree with that. But for perhaps the other side of the aisle, Isaac Shade, he's from the Locked On College Basketball uh, podcast from the Locked On Network of Podcasts. He also hosts the Locked On Tar Heels podcast. So he covers the nation. He covers uh, the heels. I'll be intrigued for Isaac's uh, thoughts on, you know, the ending of that game, the the charge, the flagrant, uh, the whole deal uh, from that angle of things, how he processed the win through a Carolina lens. And then Isaac does a lot of stuff uh, covering uh, with a daily national basketball uh, podcast on the uh, Locked On family of podcasts, wherever podcasts are available to you. So we'll get into... Uh, National college basketball stuff, the ACC writ large. Who's good? Still, we ask today, the conference season's halfway over. Who's good? And, you know, who's who's good in the country? Purdue, Bama, Houston, Tennessee, the Big 12? This is what we're working with? Okay. Who's good? Talk college hoops with Isaac coming at 2.30 today. And your calls, 305-437-7644 for ESPN 44. I talked to a lot of you last night on the postgame program, myself and Eric Devendorf. There was um, there was a lot of good chatter last night. The chat on QSportsTalk.com was hopping. A lot of, a lot of good um, banter. 
And, you know, c- considering the hour, and it was late, it is a yawny Wednesday in the queues. This studio from, uh, I think, all three shows today is going to, we're going to hit our yawn quota for the uh, for the month. But, you know, th- th- this tells a lot. Okay, 9 o'clock game, it's late. The game ended at 11.15-ish, 11.20. Later still. We were on the air until about 12.20. Uh, and this is... Uh, this is not me complaining about being up late, even though it kind of is. But this is saying, man, did we get calls last night? And there was a ton of people in the chat on QSportsTalk.com. Like, I, and I know all you guys, too. You had to be up for work today. It's Wednesday. Like, It wasn't just random people that didn't have anything to do today. This is people that had to do the same thing as the rest of us. You had to get up and take a shower, put on your pants, and punch the clock like anybody else on a Wednesday in the queues, but this is what last night's game did. There was a lot of emotion to it. Like after Saturday, you know, went down Georgia Tech, kind of a weird game. You know, people whole hummed it and went about the rest of their day. After last night, oh boy, like people are talking, people are interested, and it is now for the second time in a week and a day that the Orange are living the what could have been life. You know, earlier in the season, when you, when you lose to Bryant and you lose to Colgate, that's not a what could have been. That's a, oh my goodness, what just happened. That's not what could have been. That's, oh no. Miami and Carolina, those are not guarantee games. Like Syracuse has shown in those games. And Miami right now is third in the league. Seven and three in league games. Carolina, you know, they're, they're climbing back up. What are they, six and four now in, in league games? Whatever I did with the standings. Um, but, you know, they're good. They're the defending national run-ups. They're good. Four starters back, good. But the Orange have one road, one home. They've gone toe-to-toe. Like, okay, we are just as good as those teams, for the most part, on the court. We've shown it. But lost them both. So the, the losses earlier in the season, once we get to March, may be, in hindsight, when we look back at it, the costly ones. The ones that legit when you look at resumes and final numbers and whatever things end up being at the end of the season, you may look back at those games and say, oh man, screwed it up before we even had a chance. But Miami, Carolina, I would say the Miami game out of the two, in my mind, the Miami game is the one that you absolutely should have won. You're up double figures in the second half. Double figures second half. Like, you have to win that basketball game. The Carolina game, I was surprised when we got to the end of it. There was there was only six lead changes in the game. It felt like more. Like, it felt like there was 30. Like, it was a wild and woolly affair. Especially, you know, the Orange were down by a bajillion. Yeah, we, it goes without saying at this point. Second half, though, taut. Like, back and forth. Uh, six lead changes. A really good game. Fun game to watch. And that's what this Orange basketball team has turned into of late. Like, I don't know how good they are. I think they're they're solid to good. Not great. Nobody in the league is great. But you cannot turn away from this Syracuse basketball team if only because you don't have the slightest darn clue what they're going to do on the next minute, the next half, much less the next possession. No idea with this team. And it, it keeps us intrigued. So I, I'm going to give them that, man. Like, this team... Like, back at the beginning of the year, those losses when you look Colgate and Bryant and those games, you're like, oh, man. 
This could be a long year. Well, we're now at the point where we're sitting here. It's a not not a tournament year right now, barring them picking up some big wins. That's the case. Still two more chances in the next week. Virginia Tech, Virginia. Both of them would be big wins if you can do it. But it's not a lost year in any way as far as entertainment because it feels like this team is going to keep us on the edge of our chairs until whenever this thing uh, hits the end. But it was something last night. And, you know, did the refs cough Syracuse the game? Maybe. What the refs were, though, was terrible. They were terrible. And I know of terrible referee. After 18 years of calling women's basketball games collegiately, I have seen terrible refereeing in almost all of them. This is not a well-refereed sport. It's slightly better on the men's side of things, but clearly not perfect. Last night was... I think this season, I I think it's the worst refed game I've seen this season. In any bajillion number of ways. Do we need to look in the monitor 78 times in the second half? Like you saw the ball go out of bounds. Do we need to check 9,000 more times? But it's three things last night. It's the fouls on Jesse. The second and third primarily. Like, is fourth one? All right. The fifth one, absolutely, and he kind of needed to do it. But the second and third, like, you you don't get into foul trouble because of foul four. You get into foul trouble because you have four. Like, the fourth one, all right, he got him. Two and three, what is going on? And in grand effect on the game, maybe they had a bigger effect than the other stuff. Though, actually, when he was on the bench, the Orange battled okay. But it's it's not something you want to put yourself under that stress. And then there's the two plays with Judalate. With a few minutes left, the and one that gets taken off the board. Uh, just a nonsense charge call. And it's bad refereeing, yes. But... They need to change the rules in some way. Now, this was not the case of the Dukey floppers. That's not really what Carolina was doing last night. Like, the Duke flop charges like that. Can we just banish that into the sun right now? Like, that's not attempting to play defense. That's attempting to fall down and look good doing it. That's not really what Carolina was doing. But you you can't just... And they don't do this in the NBA. There's not a rash of charge calls in the NBA. Like, when the aggressive players go into the rim and make it a, a legit basketball move, like Judah was doing the first time, second time as well, but doing the first time for sure, like, that shouldn't be a charge. The second time, Judah ran over the dude. But, reading the flagrant rule today, and I've read it multiple times, reading and reading, trying to parse, and here, here's what it actually says in the rule book. Illegal contact caused by swinging of an elbow. This is one of the many, many, many things it says in the rule book. Illegal contact caused by the swinging of an elbow that is deemed excessive or unnecessary, but does not rise to the level of a flagrant two personal foul. Well, what the hell does that mean? Like you write all of these rules and there's pages upon pages of words upon words. 
that still let the refs call basically whatever the heck they want. Well, was Judah's play a smart basketball play based on how it went down? No. The last one would have been more ideal if he had, you know, maybe jump stopped and went up with a floater or pulled up because, you know, the Carolina defenders, they they were not going to be able to stop. I'm not saying that's easy to do, but, you know, he ran the guy over. But he did a Euro step and ripped the ball through from his right to his left. Is that a basketball play? Absolutely. Just because Carolina was guarding him with his face, like you put your face there, your face might get hit. That's not Judah's fault. So to upgrade it to a flagrant, you know, it's not the intent of the rule. The intent of the rule is player safety. The intent of most of these rules is player safety. Yeah, you don't want anyone getting elbowed in the head. I get it. But sometimes when somebody gets elbowed in the head, it is not the fault of the guy whose elbow was involved. Don't put your head there. How about that for a thought? I don't know how you need to write the rule books, but you need to write them in a way where it is not a good idea to put your head there. So maybe that's why you don't get elbowed in the face. So that call is just nonsense. Now, did it cost the Orange the game? I can't go that far because it was still a foul. Like, that was a charge. Judah ran him, just creamed him. Ran him over. So, like, Carolina's going to get the ball back. You're going to foul them. They're going to go to the line as possible. You get the ball back down three. So you got to make it three to force it overtime. Like at that point, like you guaranteed anything. No, but you were guaranteed a chance at that point. And the chance was taken away. And more importantly than that, like, are we not in the entertainment business here? Like, why are the rules written in such a way that it denies us as fans watching the game an entertaining ending? Like, I'm sure Carolina will take the win any way they could get it last night, but, like, that's a more fun game if it comes down to somebody trying to hit a shot to win it or force overtime or something. And, you know, I think that's what we're denied. So it's tough that we're denied stuff like that by officiating or or whatnot. As far as, you know, the crowd that's like, well, Judah, why does he have the ball? Oh, God, no. Why does Syracuse's highest-ranked recruit in years have the ball in his hands trying to win a basketball game? Well, let's not take the ball out of his hands. Let's have him make a better play. Like, which solution is easier to come by? Getting somebody else to go win the game? Or having that person figure out a different way to win the game? And hopefully that's what Judah gains from this, uh, the experience he had on Monday at Miami and the experience last night. Like, last night, the idea of Judah being the one with the ball in his hands at that time? Reasonable. You would just prefer he picked another option than uh, running the dude guarding him over as opposed to, you know, stopping a pull-up, a floater, something like that. Again, not easy. Not everybody has the the Josh Pace, Billy Edelin in the lane bag of tricks to score the basketball. But it's just a tough one. And unfortunately now, when you combine the early season and the last week, when you combine Colgate and Bryant with Miami and North Carolina, Well, now, when you combine the bad losses by the metrics with the missing good wins by the metrics, what are you left with? You're left with a team that has a lot of work to do at this point of the year. That said, 
thank goodness the work they're doing is fun to look at this year because some of these years can be a grind. When you have a team right now that is not in position to make the tournament, there's bad losses. Like There's a lot of teams in Syracuse's position that they're not fun to watch. They're, it's not interesting. This year's team, <laughs> love them, hate them, think, think about whatever you want, or who should be on the court or who shouldn't be on the court. I'll say this, they're fun to look at. They are fun to put eyes on, and we'll see them again uh, over the weekend when they uh, take on Virginia Tech on Saturday, and then back in the Dome next Monday night, big Monday against Virginia. Two more chances for big wins. Miami got by the boards. So did North Carolina. But in this league, you've got chances. Is the league great? No. But you put everybody in that same bag every game for the most part, is a chance for an all-right win. And that's what it's going to be for the rest of the way. And this team certainly is going to keep us interested uh, looking at it. With that, we'll take a break here. Uh, coming up at 2.30, Isaac Shade, the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 3 o'clock, Chris Carlson, Syracuse.com, talking NIL, talking Adam Weitzman's courtside collection last night, including top 100 2024 recruit Elijah Moore, who will announce his commitment on this upcoming Saturday, 3.30, Lance Meadow, the host of the New York Football Giants Radio Network. That's the show today. That is the show, people. Your calls can be sprinkled in throughout as well at 315-437-7644. We'll step aside. Much more to come after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Here we are. It is a snowy Wednesday afternoon. I just did a weather check on the twos outside the window, and I can report that in downtown Syracuse right now, it is snowing. I am not a meteorologist, but I play one on the radio. It is snowing right now in Syracuse, and uh, the odds are uh, you are listening to me in your car right now in the sound of my voice where it is snowing, so uh, drive carefully. There is that. Roll along today. Guests on the show, Lance Meadow, 3.30, talking Giants. Chris Carlson, top of the hour, talking NIL, recruiting, whatever the heck was going on at the Dome last night, courtside. And uh, coming up in a few minutes, we'll talk to Isaac Shade of the Locked On College Basketball and the Locked On Tar Heels podcast to review uh, what we were locked on last night, which was that... You know what? Pretty darn entertaining game in the dome. With that, we head to the phone lines. Scooter in Jamesville is with us. Scooter, what you got going uh, on today? A couple of things, Brian. First of all, I've been saying it for years. The in the the out of bounds inbounds when there's there, there's a fight, the referees are guessing, and it and, and it, it it's it's a crazy rule for 38 minutes. They're guessing for two minutes, like you said. Now we're watching the matter. And if you, in, in case in point, if you go back to the Boston College-Duke game, where but BC almost beat Duke, they had five plays underneath the basket where the ball went out of bounds. All five were reverse. Wow. The, the call, the call, the call on the, the call on the court was reversed five times in the last two minutes. Well, you know this is happening for 38 minutes. There's so many hands, and I've always said they're guessing. If you slow it down, you can almost see. So. It's just incredible, but now we got the rule where it's going to take 20 minutes because every time it goes out of bounds, you know, and like I said, go back to and just watch the BC Duke the last two minutes when you get five reversals, you know, they have to be guessing. So it, you know, that, that to me, 
has always been in close ball games. The ball goes out of bounds. I have a question to ask you, though, Brian. It's not the first time, and I think I asked uh, uh, a couple times. The end, the end of the first half stuff where you have fouls to give, and it happened last night. Why are, why are star players picking up fouls, needless fouls? Junior DeMint picked up a second foul and just trying to stop Carolina and slow him down. And it's happened a couple times over. I remember I remember uh, Carter in a big game against Connecticut. He actually picked up two fouls in the last 30 seconds just trying to slow down. And I thought last year, either Buddy or Jimmy did the same thing right before halftime. You don't know how many fouls you're going to need in the second half. Uh, what's, your, what's your opinion about uh, starters, even star players, you know, picking up needless fouls at the end of the first half because they got fouls to give? Just you know, trying to slow down the opposition. Oh, I, I agree. Like uh, you know, sometimes I, I I like the idea sometimes of giving the foul. Like some of that makes sense. But you know, people have we've been on this whole uh, get Samir Torrance some more minutes thing today, and you know that that's a good role for Samir to come in and do that. Right. When, when he's a good defender and whatever. Now you need a clock stoppage in the whole thing. But yeah, I agree with you. Like I'd say, if you're going to balance Scooter right, say. Say the your only option is either Judah commits the foul or you let the game go on and don't give your foul to give. Uh, you're right. I, I'd prefer not having one of your important players like that give up a foul then just because you don't know, right? You, you have no idea yeah. how the second half's going to go. We, we saw it with Jesse. like He wasn't in foul trouble, and then all of a sudden he had four. <laughs> like, so it can happen real quick for you in the second half. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and It's happened before, and I, I just don't know the philosophy about it. And just, you know, I don't know if that basket means that much before halftime. Now at the end of the game, maybe a different story. Obviously, it's happened before where you got fouls to give, and so you're trying to shorten the clock. The Nordane King, I think, was a classic example. I think Syracuse had a couple fouls to give, right? and they did, they did it. Okay, fine, so you're picking up your third foul with 10 seconds left to go. Hopefully the game doesn't go overtime or something. But if at the end of the first half, it just I've seen it time and time again, not just with Syracuse, with other other games and stuff, and you were quickly you're talking about teams nationally. This is the year where I thought a 16 could be the one. After after watching Houston lose the Temple, uh, and everybody thought because because they're such built for the strength, they can't shoot. I mean, and that's the inconsistency of basketball now. Is if you catch Houston on a day where they can't shoot, and a lot of times they haven't. Uh, you know, look at some of the scores and stuff, and. Uh, it's just to me that I mean anybody can beat anybody this year, and that's the crazy part of the deal. And you know, it's the, your your man that uh, sort of knows that if it doesn't take anybody less than thirty to one to win the to win the tournament this year, uh, there shouldn't be one team that's a favorite. Everything should be twenty five, thirty to one. Yeah, like uh, if you tell me there's a favorite in that tournament, I'll say let's pick somebody else because like the odds exactly. of, of the favorite winning this year uh, can't be that yep. high. All right, Scooter, always good to uh, yep. chat with you. Thanks, Brian. Uh, that is uh, Scooter in uh, Jamesville. With that, we will uh, take a break here. We'll talk to Isaac Shade from the Locked On College Basketball Podcast when we come back. Uh, you know, he covered uh, the game last night more from a North Carolina angle. Are we all nuts? How we've been reviewing it last night. Maybe Isaac will have uh, thoughts on that when we come back. Rolling along after this, it's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Alright, rolling along here on a Wednesday in the Q's. Uh, it's still post-game. Like, last night's game, we're just rolling. 
We're in... Uh, what do we got now? How long did the game... The game ended eight hours ago. This is hour 16 of post-game coverage. We're, we're rolling here. Orange lost tonight. Tough one last night. Tough one last night. The, the refing down the stretch. The You know, a couple of plays. The Gerard on the baseline. The Mints with the... Just a little bit more aggressive than you'd want. But at the same time... Hmm. It was, uh, it was another one that shoulda, coulda, woulda, but didn't uh, for the Orange uh, last night. With that, you know the phone lines, 315-437-7644. Dave in Connecticut, he knows the number. Dave, welcome in. What's uh, what's your thoughts on what you saw last night? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller to your program, and I'm stuck here in Connecticut. I am some, I am halfway between Friar Nation and Husky Nation. Uh, well, for that, we apologize to you. We don't we don't like to leave you loose near all those Yukon types. The Providence people oh are okay. The, the, like stores, uh, stores is a frightening and terrifying place. People love it when I walk around with my six overtime Syracuse <laughs> Marathon uh, T-shirt. They really do. But anyway, I'd like to talk about mistakes that were made last night. Every time, you know, I'm watching Gerard on the court. He was a no-show, basically, other than the three-point shot in the second half. Okay? Beheim continues to defend this guy. And for a senior to, um, to watch this guy inbound a ball, and I'm watching him last night. Now, we did it three times last year, and I'm saying to myself, okay, you know, the team's not the greatest, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I saw it last year. We saw it again last night. This thing that happened underneath the basket, first of all, the ball was off in North Carolina. The one that he went to save, that mm-hmm. he catched back to the North Carolina player, it went off the guy's uh, posterior and is going out of bounds. He goes to save it. Okay, hit it like a volleyball. Hit it the other way down the end of the court, so the guy doesn't get the ball and lay it in and give the team the lead. I mean, he's a senior. Seniors don't make mistakes like that. Judah, I could understand making that mistake. This guy's a senior, and you know something. It's gone to his head when he was in high school, okay, and scoring all those points in Glens Falls. Somebody told him how great he was, whether it was Jimmer for dead or what. But I'm gonna, I'm just gonna tee off on this guy. I've been watching Syracuse for over 50 years, mm-hmm. okay. Not well, not quite 50 years. The '75 team is when I first started watching them before the Bayheim era. I've seen guards come in and out of there, okay. I've seen players make mistakes. This guy's made more mistakes in the last year than. I can ever remember a player making. I mean, the biggest mistake uh, up to uh, the last couple of years was Lawrence Moten calling a timeout, which he didn't have in 1995 against Arkansas uh-huh. in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if you go that far back. But I, I recall the game vividly, yes. Uh, uh, that is about the, the biggest mistake that a player has made in the Bayheim era. Bayheim continues to defend this guy. I mean, he's a great shooter, but he's a one-dimensional player. Dave. He's shooting, he's great, okay? He's a good foul shooter, okay? Plays no defense, okay? Doesn't give him anything on the point defensively. you got to have somebody that's... T- I, I can't wait till this guy's out of there, okay? Yeah. And Judah's there with somebody else, okay? Copeland was on the bench last night. He's itching to play. Play the kid. At least a couple minutes, see what he's got. Dave... Uh- 
if I Joe and I, I, I get Joe as this is correct in in ACC basketball games this year in the ten conference games that have been played by all of the teams in the league, Joe Girard is the leading scorer in the entire conference, and you would is like he, him on the bench. I'd like him on the bench. Okay, uh, well, you want just saying, to, no, not, you want the leading scorer in the conference on the bench, Dave. I, I want I want something changed there when it comes to end of game situations. Okay. Well, they, no matter who you're going to put in, what they're going to do is score fewer points. Uh, he didn't score anything for us last night. He led he the team with eight points he, in the second half. He led the team in scoring. He had 18 points. He didn't do much in the second half. He had 12 in the first half. Yeah, so he had right? six in the second he half. He scored six in the second half and wasn't looking for a shot. He gets, like, tentative when it comes to shooting. In First of all, we haven't beaten anybody this year. Every team that, that this team has beaten is a bottom dweller in the conference. Mm-hmm. I want to see him beat somebody that's in upper, the upper echelon, and they haven't done it. They have I mean, not, they're Dave. looking at the NIT, unfortunately. That they are. Um, and uh, thank you for the call, Dave, and I do appreciate Thanks you calling in. And uh, hang in there in Yukon country. We don't wish that on, on anybody. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Let's bench the leading scorer in the league. The leading scorer in the league. Yeah, did Joe make mistakes last night? Yeah. Should he have done something different on that last play fall out of bounds? Yeah. He is the leading scorer in the Atlantic Coast Conference. He should probably be on the floor. You'd prefer more of the shots to go in. He's the leading scorer in the freaking league. Serenity now. We're going to talk New York football giants when we come back. Why? I don't know. I like the giants. We're going to do that. You know what the giants don't do? They don't bench Saquon Barkley. They didn't, they didn't take Lawrence Taylor off the field. Lance Meadow, host, Giants Radio Network. When we come back after this, it's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.